What have I done? You're fulfilling your destiny, Anakin. Become my apprentice. Learn to use the dark side of the Force. I will do whatever you ask. That, that's that's certainly a thing. Hey, everybody, and welcome back once again to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast. I am Sam. And I'm Will. And we're still in it. We're halfway there, sort of. Uh, we are in midway through the Palpatine trilogy, the trilogy of trilogies, the Star Wars Skywalker saga, and this week we are talking about Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. It's the <laughs> sixth one they made, it's the third one in the second trilogy. The first trilogy, canonically, takes place roughly 20 BBY. If you don't know the Star Wars timeline, that's before the Battle of Yavin, which I is basically the first movie. And <laughs> if you're still listening after this intro, that means uh, you are... You're a giant nerd like us. So, yes, the prequels. Uh, the prequels are, as um, as the Red Letter Media guys put it, the greatest case of cinematic blue balls in the history of <laughs> movies. Uh, the first of the three movies, uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace, came out in 1999, and was the most highly anticipated movie ever oh, yeah. and remains one of the most frustratingly disappointing movies of all time. <laughs> In 2002, you had episode two, Attack of the Clones, rinse, repeat, with some <laughs> new bad stuff and some bad stuff that's been scaled back. And then finally, the conclusion in 2005 was episode three, Revenge of the Sith, which... Many consider to be the best of the trilogy. I think a big part of that is that the whole point of the prequels is setting up the origin of, of Darth Vader. Anakin Skywalker's fall to the dark side and the Emperor's rise to power and the creation of Darth Vader. And we all kind of knew that's going to come to a head in the third movie, yeah. which is going to add some kind of real dramatic stakes to it. And I'd say for the most part it works, but yeah. it is a, if you watch all three or even just the, this third movie, it is a long march to get there. Yeah. It's uh, I, I remember trying, I remember when episode three came out. Um, I don't think you and I were like hanging out yet, but my, my friends at the time, we all watched, in one night, we watched the original trilogy and just had a blast. We had so much fun. It was so great. And then the next night, it was like, well, we'll watch the next two to prepare for episode three. And we couldn't really get through episode one. And we got through halfway through episode two. And, like, the DVD started skipping. And everyone was like, oh, we don't need to keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. The, the shared experience of all three of these movies over the that, like, six-year span, because uh, no one liked them. No. I mean, maybe people like them now. I'm sure they have their fans, and they had their defenders at the time. But it was like a, 
a shared experience especially with two and especially with three of going with your friends and just hoping oh. it wouldn't be bad <laughs> and then all of us leaving the theater and convincing ourselves it wasn't bad right. and then it's like the it's like the many stages of grief there's like <laughs> bargaining and denial and anger and finally acceptance well, and how many times did it take you for episode one? How many times in the theater did it take you to realize, oh, this movie's not all that good? I mean, I think it was the second time around. I remember, like, it never felt quite right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it. That, that's the thing with, with, like, so, all right, well, a little backstory, because, like, the, I think even people that know the prequels and know Star Wars, especially folks younger than us, don't really remember that time period leading up to the prequels. And this is like kind of the, I won't call it the dark times, but it's definitely like the dead zone of Star Wars. That period from like the late 80s into the early 90s when Star Wars wasn't a a, a big cultural thing. They were like, they were well-known movies. They had, they got their references in The Simpsons, you know, (laughs) but... They, you know, they weren't, they like, they weren't a, like a brand yet. They weren't a huge movement and they weren't cool. They were really no. weird, like nerdy movies from the 70s and 80s. And they, they, they didn't even have new stuff coming out. Like in the 90s, you had a ton of new Star Trek and, right. you know, you hadn't gotten Harry Potter yet and you hadn't gotten uh, Lord of the Rings yet. And... You know, there weren't a ton of, like, up-and-running franchises. Comic books, like, Marvel and DC were just comic books and cartoons. Yeah, and and Marvel was, like, limping along and was on the verge of bankruptcy. And DC, too. All of these really nerdy niche things that are the biggest moneymakers in Hollywood right now were struggling for relevance in the 90s. (laughs) But then in about 1995-96 things start to change a little bit for Star Wars because George Lucas says, I'm writing the... All right, I'm going to add one more thing. Star Wars got released in 1977 and didn't have an episode number in the opening crawl. Then it gets re-released in 1980 in theaters in conjunction with Empire Strikes Back and suddenly... (laughs) <laughs> this movie we all that everyone thought was called Star Wars is now suddenly Star Wars Episode Four: A New <laughs> Hope, and George Lucas says in Starlog probably uh, <laughs> that this is in fact the second trilogy of of movies, and he intends to write a first trilogy, a prequel trilogy, a term that I guarantee you didn't exist until George <laughs> Lucas came up with it. And so around 1995, George Lucas basically says, I'm writing a script for episode one. We're going to get episode one going. Then they release the Star Wars movies on VHS VHS. again. The the last version of them available in their original form, THX remastered. Everyone had that box set. I still have it. It's up on the shelf right now. <laughs> Darth Vader's on one, a Stormtrooper's on another, and Yoda's, and Yoda's on the third. Yoda's on the last one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly in mid 1996, Star Wars roars back to life. I you mean, get just... Shadows of the Empire, which is uh, a hilarious like <laughs> piece of marketing. It is basically they did everything that you would do to market a movie, uh, like a soundtrack and a novelization and action figures in a video game but no movie 
And it's this yeah. movie, and it was like the idea was like a story that bridges the gap from Empire to Jedi. And it was actually a huge deal. Like it made a lot of money, and it was it was a, a testing ground for Lucasfilm to see if there was interest in more Star Wars stuff. Yeah, that the uh, it was one of the first N sixty four games, and I remember that it was it was like a really big hit. Yeah, that was the thing I sort of that was my my thing to latch onto with Star Wars in the nineties was the computer games. Oh, yeah, TIE Fighter and X-Wing and uh, Dark Forces. Yeah, they were like flight simulator games, basically. (laughs) Dark Forces was awesome. Dark Forces was basically uh, Doom, but Star Wars. It was like the first Star Wars first-person shooter. And uh, the first level of Dark Forces, for anyone that's never played it, is basically the plot of Rogue One. But it's (laughs) one guy, and he gets it done real quick. Because he's Kyle (laughs) Katarn. And he's still canon to me, damn it. (laughs) Did he ever show up in the cartoons or anything? It seems like he would have. No, he's no. he's never come back. He and Mara Jade have been uh, a relegated. Been yeah, they're in exile with uh, Dash Rendar and um, not Shizor. And... Yeah, Shizor, not Admiral Thrawn, but that weird Jedi with the beard that hangs out with Admiral Thrawn. Right. I forget right. his name. Uh, the Emperor's clone, the young clone of the oh, Emperor. Yeah. And, and Luke with two U's. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, the original uh, Ray and Kylo Ren, Jaina and Jason Solo. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Anyway, uh, so, 96, some of these are seen toys on the shelves. You get the power of the Force action figures. You start, <laughs> you get the Shadows of the Empire game. And then it's... The Star Wars Special Edition. Star Wars is going to be back in theaters with with a few new surprises, as the trailer said. And that was, you know, Greedo shooting first. And uh, and, and Jabba the Hutt, an awkwardly inserted Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> yeah, like, but like also like they, they upgraded special effects. Uh, they made some dumb changes. They made some fine changes. Like they got rid of a lot of mat lines and they fixed, you know, they changed the editing for better or worse. It's, it's like the changes. If you've ever watched one of those comparison things on the, on YouTube with the different versions, the sheer volume of changes is actually staggering. Pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, I mean, you know, that's a whole other debate about those, the special editions and how they changed the movie. But, uh, they certainly, at least that first one, it, it, with A New Hope, it does monkey with the pacing a lot. Yeah, and no, he, he he all but re-edited them. I feel like the one that's changed the least is Empire. Yeah. But I have a friend, a friend of ours that's, a friend of mine that's in, uh, like, their mid to late 20s. I uh, I showed them the despecialized edition of Star Wars that, that they, like, the before all the changes were made. And they were really shocked. They realized they'd never seen it that way. I think a lot of people... <laughs> of a certain age, have never seen the original versions of Star Wars. They were only ever on DVD once. Right. And, like, they yeah. were, like, as a bonus feature. And they were really in, like, a poor quality, too. Yeah, it was, like, uh, not anamorphic. It was, like, a Laserdisc print. It, they yeah. didn't look good. So, and now it's, like, it's been re... They've added... They've changed the changed it up, like, three or four times. What's on Disney Plus is completely different than what was on Blu-ray, and that's different than what was on DVD, and that's different than what was on the special edition VHSs. Yeah, yeah. So, but, (laughs) 1997, they come out in theaters, and they are the biggest thing ever. Because of that re-release, Star Wars becomes the highest-grossing movie of all time. I remember, that's one of the last times I really remember, like, going to the movies and it being sold out. Yep. Because you didn't buy movie tickets in advance back then. 
and it's like people waited in long lines to get tickets. It was huge, so huge. And that just, then after that, there was no stopping it because it was just the build up to 1999 and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. That teaser trailer that came out for it was such a big deal, and we were all trying to download it on like on QuickTime on our dial-up internet with this like postage stamp-sized video. Oh yeah. my god! It took it took it took about an hour and a half for me to download it. Yeah, I, no. I'm pretty sure it was insane. And and then it came out. We all watched it. <laughs> we all watched it. It made a shit ton of money. I don't know anyone that ever... Anyone that claims they they only saw it once is lying. Yep. And anyone that claims they weren't slightly in denial about it being not great after the first one, watch is also lying to you. you <laughs> there was a collective denial from mid-May till about July 4th. And then we all started to realize, wait. Jar Jar Binks isn't funny, but also there's a lot of other problems with this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of the problem with all the prequels is that it's too fast and too slow at the same time. Like, there's too much going on and not enough going on. And and there's so many so much discussion of politics and trade routes and just... Uh... Star Wars, the original trilogy, and we talked about this last week, they're very simple stories. Yeah. They have, there's good guys and there's bad guys. The For anyone, I, we're not going to break down all the problems of the prequels because it's been done many times over, most notably the Red Letter Media guys, the Mr. Plinkett reviews, pretty much break down all the problems with those prequel movies, you know, without resorting to the obvious stuff like Jar Jar Binks, you know. It's, it's annoying, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. one of the things they talk about in that, and it's, it's just the truth— the opening shot of A New Hope tells you everything you need to know after the opening crawl. Little ship fleeing is the is the rebels. Giant scary ship is the Empire. And that's it. Yep. Good guys and bad... Scrappy underdog good guys and big scary bad guys. In episode one... You start with first of all, if your enemy is called the Trade Federation, you've are it's not that's not a good name for your villain. And the villains aren't interesting. The the nope. Sith Lords are very much in the background because, you know, there's an evil guy named Darth Sidious, and he's got an underling named Darth Maul who looks really cool, but has like three lines. And then the rest of the time your bad guys are these uh, are um, uh, Newt Gunray and is yeah. and is and the other uh, and these who has like a really racist stereotypical <laughs> Asian accent and then you have all these battle droids who you know like they they have like a they're like all catty and sassy and they're not imposing even compared to like nope. stormtroopers no and they fall apart at like just a the slightest breeze they just fall over and then on the flip side your heroes are all just so either by design or by accident are so stiff and emotionless yeah. and it's impossible to connect like they they this is the thing that many people talk about there's no protagonist yeah. in phantom menace no. well and there's there's no protagonist and it's also like it's it's really hard to figure out just like what is happening scene to scene what anyone wants scene to scene 
and and where you're going. And one of the biggest problems with the prequels is that there's no Han Solo character. There's no character who there who's there who freaks the fuck out when they need to. You know, yeah. who who like has like relatable human emotions about things. Yeah, because um, you know they, you have characters that are more level headed than others, but none of them. None of them feel relatable. Obi-Wan Kenobi's not relatable. Padme's yeah. not relatable. Anakin's a little kid. And and Liam Neeson is... It's before he, you know, became a, a, a action grandpa. Like, we all know him and love him now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you like you said, better, smarter people have uh, have dug into those and, and ripped them apart. And, if, if, and... You, if you like them, great. If you don't like them, you're welcome to the club. Hot take, you know. <laughs> it is it is another movie that is a prime example of just how much heavy lifting a John Williams score sometimes has to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you've ever seen The Patriot, you'll be convinced that movie is a classic just because of the John Williams score. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely true of, of episode one. You know, and, and looking back on it, I haven't really watched it in a long time. But looking back on it, it doesn't... The other two prequels, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, have higher highs um, than episode one, but they also have lower lows than episode one, too. Yeah. It's, 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 like, I think... I don't know which one is the worst. I don't know which one is the hardest to get through. Yeah, for me, I think... I, the the Obi-Wan investigation stuff in Attack of the Clones uh, entertains me enough to get me through that movie. Um, but the episode one, I just can't. I can't yeah. Do. I just can't do. Phantom Menace only starts moving in the last 20 minutes when you get yeah. like a space battle and a lightsaber fight and a gunfight. They, yeah. they suddenly remember to like do all the, the action stuff you want. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing about the original three Star Wars movies, and we kind of touched on this last week, was that, you know, everyone... It, it, they're run-and-gun movies. They're, like, you're everyone's moving. Everything's constantly moving. There's so much, like, momentum built up in, in those three movies that it just feels like so much of episode one is just dead air. Yeah. And just wheel spinning. A lot of, like, like weird political intrigue, but it's not, like... It's not intriguing intrigue. <laughs> It's trying to do stuff that would work that like works when you're making like a Game of Thrones type uh, show or uh, for a sci-fi example, The Expanse. Right. You know, when you have yeah. hour long episodes where you can spend delving into the politics of one group or another and you have room to let the characters breathe. But no, this is this isn't even Star Trek. This is Star <laughs> Wars. And yeah. we are and, and it's. It's it is about the battle between the dark side and the light side of the force, and that, and that's that's the the that's the hook, and I think to spend time, I don't know what the intention was. Right. I don't know what it was Lucas was trying to convey, and I think what I think his intentions obviously changed because a lot of things in the world changed between 1999 and 2002. An Attack of the Clones is a very different beast than uh, Phantom Menace. I know that a lot of episode two was like shot in 2000. So, but it seems like in the edit, like he did this hard pivot as the Iraq war was spinning up after nine 11 and in reaction to all the fan reaction to episode one, he did this pivot to changed episode two from what I think episode one was setting up. Doing a little reading about from our episode last week, 
he did have uh, intend Star Wars to have some comment, the original Star Wars, to have some commentary on the Vietnam War. Right. And I think there's echoes of that in Attack of the Clones, especially, where you have, you know, giving the Chancellor executive powers and, right. and you know, invasions of privacy and terrorism. You know, I think there's, he's trying to do it. But again, it's Star Wars. <laughs> and it's hard to get that serious stuff in a world, in, in, especially in these movies where the look and the feel of the world is so cartoony. Right. Like, like in a movie that has, like, that opens with a terrorist bombing and, you know, Natalie Portman cradling her dead friend on a landing platform, it's not, it's not like 45 minutes later, you're at the diner where Obi-Wan Kenobi is meeting his friend, who is like a <laughs> alien diner do, diner owner with two butt cracks. And it's <laughs> Dexter Jetsker. That, that diner, by the way, is designed like the diner in American Graffiti. And yeah. <laughs> it's so funny confounding yeah it's it's suddenly we're in adventures of pluto nash so yeah and and at the heart of attack of the clones heart quote unquote is the romance between anakin skywalker and padme right and like i'm not gonna wait i can't put all this on hayden christensen as an actor because i've seen him in other stuff and he gives good performances I just think he was betrayed by the material and the director. Yeah. It is, he has no chemistry with Natalie Portman, and he is given the weirdest, most uncomfortable characterization of Anakin Skywalker to work with. It's like, you're supposed to really root for this guy who's, like, openly cool with fascism, is kind of, like, weird and creepy and intense, like, to Padme, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, just says it like, uh, I, I mean, again, I'm not, we can't, we do not need to, in 2022, need to relitigate Attack of the Clones. All I know yeah. is it came out the same month as Spider-Man and that, I was so happy with Spider-Man that I didn't really care about Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember really coming out of the theater and loving Attack of the Clones. Um, it was a similar situation. It took me a little while to get, get around to, oh yeah, that one wasn't all that good. I think I think I I was quicker to I was doubt. quicker on I was quicker on it but I qui- it, I turned you know. on Attack of the Clones more quickly. So by 2005 <laughs> we knew like it was time to wrap things up. We knew that that the that the final movie was going to be The Fall of the Jedi, The Fall of the Republic, The Rise of the Empire, uh and Anakin turning to the dark side and becoming Darth Vader. It's it's the convenience of of knowing you're coming to the end of the trilogy. So, the, I feel like that one the story is a little more like pre prefab. It's a little yep. more preordained for you. Yeah. So like you've got a really tight third act in that movie where things are kind of good and tense. But Revenge of the Sith still takes an hour and a half to get there. Well, and it's it's all over the place by like you know, you you start the movie and you have this like twenty five minute long action set piece, basically. I mean, which is kind of fun in the way that it's constructed. It just sort of feels like this one damn thing after another. Um, build on you know, you start with the space battle and then you move into trying to rescue Palpatine, and then you have the lightsaber duel, and then you have them trying to escape the ship, and then you have to let like that's all fun. It's kind of very Star Wars-y, but it takes 25 minutes and, like, nothing... Like, after that, nothing happens in this movie, narratively, story-wise, until 
really the last half, like 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, um, you know. So let's look at this from Palpatine's point of view. <laughs> now, spoiler alert: Palpatine is is ruling the Republic as High Chancellor, but he is also controlling the Separatist army through his apprentice Count Dooku, as uh, AKA Darth Tyrannus, AKA. Christopher Lee, really do, do, doing his best. He's hamming it up. He's, he's having he's, fun. He's clearly like waiting to get back to the set of uh, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but he's having a good time. So the opening of Revenge of the Sith, uh, it opens with the Separatist army has attacked the capital city of Coruscant and quote-unquote kidnapped the Chancellor. And Obi-Wan and Anakin have to get to the, chan- the, the Separatist flagship to rescue the Chancellor. Now... Palpatine puts himself in a great deal of danger. He has to like he's like having to run and slide down elevator shafts and 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 like strap in for a really like fiery crash landing. Do you think there's any point where he's just like, "Oh, I, I might not make it through this." <laughs> I re- I really thought they'd they have it done quicker. Than, oh god. I, I bet on the wrong horse for my masterful plan of playing sides against each other. Like, do you think there was a point where he's like, I'm just going to have to use the Force to get us yeah. out of this? I think so. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like, when he's, like, all those shots of him sitting there as they're crashing, and he just keeps looking at R2-D2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's... <laughs> like, you don't know I'm evil, right? <laughs> just... That is that is the problem when you're doing a, a very complicated plot where you're trying to where you're pitting two sides. You're basically engineering a civil war. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I guess it's it's never clear. Does General Grievous know that Palpatine is Sidious? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if they like lay it out in the the fucking uh, Clone Wars cartoon. Like yeah, Dooku I, knows, obviously. I don't know if Sidious uh, let Grievous in on yeah. it. I, I. This watch, I went back and forth on liking General Grievous and hating General Grievous. <laughs> like, sometimes within a scene. <laughs> Again, I watched this one with uh, Elise, and she was just like, why is he coughing so much? Yeah. And I'm like, well, he's sick. But she's like, but he's a robot. I'm like, well, he's he's sort of a robot, but he's like a cyborg. Wasn't that established in the the first Clone Wars cartoon? Didn't, didn't Samuel L. Jackson, didn't Mace Windu, like... Fuck him up or something? I don't know. Look, if I had a nickel for every <laughs> plot hole in the prequels that was filled by something from a ancillary product, like a book or a comic or a cartoon, I, you know, I could, I'd have matched the budget of this movie. <laughs> and again, the the problems of the first two movies are all here. Yeah, the writing is the and the dialogue is is the same for every. All the characters talk the same way. Yeah, and they all talk in this stiff formal uh like i i i don't want to say shakespearean but like stentorian dialogue and when they try to be funny it's not funny and like lines don't make any sense like what the fuck is when he says my powers have double since we met last met dooku and and christopher lee is twice the pride double the fall and i'm like (laughs) what what does that mean Yeah, it it all feels like it was taken from like a bad translation of a Kurosawa movie. Yeah, like it's, it feels like if if all of the characters were really badly dubbed, it yeah. would actually be with the same dialogue. It would be a better movie. Like good, twice the pride, double the fall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. and and what it leads to is that so this is a story of 
Anakin Skywalker wanting to save Pat. He's having visions of Padme dying, and he wants to save her. He's desperate to save her. He loves her. No one else knows they're married. So he's very alone through a lot of this. And the Jedi Council doesn't trust him, and he and Obi-Wan, even though he was a good friend, uh, doesn't... They don't really, like... They can't, there's not, no one's communicating, and no one's being honest, and the Jedi are just all stiff and formal, and he and Padme don't have, like, a real chemistry, so you never feel like they're connecting. And it leads to the only character in this movie with any warmth and any humanity to them is Ian McDiarmid as, as Palpatine. Palpatine. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. And that, because... I think he understands the material Ian McDiarmid does. Yeah. Because he's like, a, he's a Shakespearean actor. He knows how to like convey emotion through really awkward dialogue. Right. But he also, he loves being a villain, but I think he also understands how insidious Palpatine is in how human and relatable he is to Anakin. He is, he is manipulating him on such like a, a like a, just an, evil emotional level by being so caring and understanding to him yep it's it's really like he's a shockingly effective villain and he's just and it's elevated by how ineffective the rest of the movie is yeah and you almost want like a better version of this movie would have really leaned into the iago aspect of palpatine and sort of like the manipulator and him really sticking it into Anakin, like making Anakin jealous of Obi-Wan and jealous of the other Jedi and, and like even suspecting his own wife, you know, like you really would want like more of that. Yeah. The scenes you get, you also feel like they're so weird because Anakin comes off like really, like comes off like an idiot, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the level of, den- I think it's the performance or what the dialogue is giving the sheer volume of denial he's in. He's never yeah. aware of what he's done with like of how how far he's how far gone he is with the exception of like a couple moments in and usually they're like silent moments from Anakin when he's talking it's like love can't save you Padme only my, only new, powers my new powers can, can. <laughs> yeah and this is also the beginning of the era where like every actor is acting against nothing but like blue you right. know it's just yeah. like every every set and every location is almost entirely you know, built, like, in the computer. So they don't really have anything to bounce off of. And if all you have is the other actors, and the other actors are as lost as you... (laughs) What do you do? And that's, that's like, maybe it's because he'd done the original movie and he sort of knows the world a little better. But Ian McDiarmid just seems to have a grip on this whole situation in a way none of the other actors do. Except Ewan McGregor, but I think that's just because Ewan McGregor is just so charming as an actor. You can't really get away from it. Well, and the movie gives him like gives him fun stuff to do like he's got like things that he needs to take care of in the movie like he fights general grievous he gets to ride around on a lizard thing like he gets more like fun stuff to do so he doesn't have a lot of like heavy emotional stuff until the final fight yeah but honestly all of that stuff is just an excuse to get him away from anakin right I mean, yes, and that's what I mean when I say, like, there's a good chunk of this movie where nothing happens. Like, yeah. it, just, it just, nothing happens, and you're going from scene to scene to scene, and you're just like, what? I feel lost. There's, like, like in between two scenes, 
like it feels like five months like have passed because Padme is more is like visibly more yeah yeah there are like (laughs) yeah there's like a time jump and it's never clear in this movie yeah and it's it's just and it's all over the place and it feels like the it feels like there's an hour of the movie missing which is like crazy to think about because there it just so much doesn't happen Like, what could they have removed? <laughs> I don't know. I And this isn't like a last, uh, or not a, uh, this isn't a Rise of Skywalker situation where the movie's trying to, like, undo or rectify things from previous movies. This trilogy, it, with the exception of maybe, like, characters from the first movie that aren't, like, the movie's, Jar Jar's not a major character after the first film. And that is a response to the negative reaction to him. But for the most part, this three, this trilogy is is incredibly consistent in its design and its tone and its you know the the performances and the dialogue. It, most of what I'm describing is not good, but it's consistent. <laughs> yeah. It's uh you know it's I mean the best thing about the prequel movies is the the sheer volume of design work at play, right. ship designs planets uh you know it's the most variety you see in you know alien species there's most there's the most variety you see in any of the star wars movies and i think yeah when you do that when you have good material supporting that that stuff really elevates the the world and the the feel of that world uh, it's just when i when i say good material supporting it i'm talking about the clone wars cartoon not the actual episodes <laughs> one two and three yeah, it just, it feels like they just all, these three movies really, like you were saying, they needed, well, they needed the Clone Wars TV series to tell the story. It yeah. like, feels like the story is too big for the number of hours that they, that they have yeah. to do it. I mean, and, and Revenge of the Sith is a short movie. It, I mean, by like epic like sci-fi movies are concerned it's like a it's two hours all the star wars movies i think the longest one is last jedi and i think all of the other ones are under two and a half hours yeah yeah at least like two hours and 15 minutes but but as we said yesterday when we were watching it revenge the sith always has 45 minutes left (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, and like and the action scenes just go on and on and on yeah like on I can't think of a better example of doing when when you do too, doing too much with an action sequence than the battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin at the end. Right. It starts out in as close as you can get to a really strong emotional place with these characters and it just keeps going and going. The uh, it's 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 intercut with the fight between Palpatine and Yoda. Yeah. But that fight ends and this one keeps going for like another 10, 15 minutes yeah. where they're, they're like riding on platform-shaped lava robots and swinging around on cables. And at a certain point, you're just like, what's infuriating about an action scene like that, especially in a movie like this, is because you know how it ends! <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it, it shouldn't last longer than any like lightsaber fight between Luke and Darth Vader. It yeah. should be... it's it's Because if the outcome is the important part, you don't need to drag it out. Yeah, it just, and it just, I mean, and by the time they're riding on the lava robots, you're just like, come on, like, just get to it already. And again, this is all stuff that you get in the, um, in the Clone Wars cartoon. It's this, you needed more characters to relate to. Right. You needed more, like, instead of, uh, like, 
you get this you get the feel you you never meet another padawan like another apprentice in these movies yeah. like harry potter's the chosen one but harry potter's got a couple of friends and it's like you know he's like there's a whole group of students and in the star wars prequels you have the jedi council you got yoda you got samuel L. jackson you got um uh Plo Koon and Kit Fisto and Kiati Mundi and all these characters that you do track through the trilogy. Yeah. And then you got Obi-Wan. And you got Anakin, who's his Padawan, uh, who's, you know, like a I guess he's like a grad student. He's kinda like Wesley Crusher. And then you have um all the younglings, you know, the little yes. kids who uh, all like are given blindfolds and lightsabers and put in a, like a ten square foot room together. <laughs> So it's like you never just again. It's like there's no one to connect to because you want you want to feel like there's someone for Anakin to to be pulling Anakin to the good side. Then you'd have a real like a tug of war for Anakin's soul. But because Palpatine is the only character with any charisma or magnetism or yeah. warmth or emotional connection to Anakin, even because here's the thing: e even when you know the outcome is preordained you can still create tension sure, in a scene. Yeah. Like, the movie Apollo 13, it's one of my favorite movies. If you know the history, you know they survive. You know they get back to Earth okay. But they do such a good job of that in that movie of just creating new stakes and new tension. Here is a problem, and we have to solve it. And, you know, like, th there's never any tension in the Star Wars prequels that rivals... Apollo 13, when they go, we got to get this to fit into the hole for this, using nothing but that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's it's sort of the classic thing, like, like Shakespeare's tragedies, everyone knew going in how the story ends. You know Romeo and Juliet are going to kill themselves, and if you do Romeo and Juliet correctly... I only know it through the Taylor Swift song, so, and, well, they, may, and well, they survive they in that up. one. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but if you do Romeo and Juliet correctly, you get to the point where you're like, oh no, don't do it! Don't do it! Why are you doing No, no, no! You know, and that's what this movie should be. It should get, you get to the point where Obi-Wan and Anakin are facing off, and you should be, as an audience member, you should be like, no, 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 guys, no, can't, can't you just work it out? Yeah, but but because but because the movie doesn't do the work to get there, it doesn't make that it doesn't make the Obi Wan Anakin relationship really work in the way they they don't feel like best friends, you know. It just no, uh, no. You, you for all the times they talk about it in the original movie about how what good friends they were, you never you're told that they've had all these fabulous adventures together, but you never see it. Well, and they banter, but they, but, you know, so They banter so... through Lucas dialogue and, and <laughs> acting styles, <laughs> yeah, which exactly. are very, very stiff and weird. The other thing about these movies is, like, the really bizarre sense of humor. Like, all the droids, like, saying excuse me and thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> like, it's just like, why is this happening? It's like uh... someone told him, Oh, the funniest character in Star Wars is C-3PO. Yeah. When in fact, the funniest character in Star Wars is Han Solo. Right. So there's no Han Solo in this movie, and there's a million C-3PO's that are all worse than C-3PO. <laughs> you stupid astromech droid. Stupid yeah. little astromech droid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like you want you want this to have like this grand scale operatic tragedy feeling to it, and when you're getting into this endless lava lightsaber battle, you're just, you're kind of just like, all right, just, just 
end it. And like I'm I think it would I'm fine with them wanting these to be different in tone and look than the originals. Visually, like from a visual effects standpoint, you'd be crazy not to in 1999 right. to 2005. Visual effects had in the in the through the nineties had come so far. Yeah. So yeah. like, of course, these were going to be bigger movies with like weirder characters and bigger sets and locations, and that's fine. I'm okay with a more operatic, fifth element like fantasy over sci-fi vibe, but you have to have some characters and warmth and heart at the middle of that. And this movie is absent all of that, except for the most evil man in the galaxy. And I feel like that's a mistake. Like, I don't think that's what Lucas was going no, for. No, And And it, 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 had Lucas leaned into that, maybe that'd be more effective. Like, the movie might be more effective overall. But that's not, I don't think he was intending that. I mean, again, like, I just, he didn't direct a movie between... Uh, 1977 and 1999. And to quote yeah. Wet Hot American Summer, your craft is a muscle. You have <laughs> to exercise it. <laughs> and I think it's just like, and and the movie he was making in 1977 and the movies he, were, he was making from 99 to 2005 could not be more different from a production standpoint. Yeah, and the things he was passionate about in the interim were all on the technical side. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it, it definitely it feels like a, a filmmaker coming back to the world he created with a wildly different ideas of what he wants and what he what his goals are as as a filmmaker. And yeah, I think you know, if he just if he'd handed the stories he'd written to a different writer and a different director, we yeah. would have had very different movies. And I don't even mean like, oh, it's got to be. The writer's got to be, you know, peak Joss Whedon, and the director has to be a a J.J. Abrams or a Ryan Johnson. Just someone who has worked on these kind of movies. Give it to Joe Johnston. Yeah. Give it to Martin Campbell. Give it to someone like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember when episode one came out, he was... I don't know if he had or if it was just fan speculation or whatever, but he had talked about wanting to give the other two movies to um, Luc Besson and um, who was the other guy? Who was it? Was it? Luke, it was Luc Besson and somebody else. It was like Darren Aronofsky or something. Or, yeah, no. <laughs> but that's the thing. Luc Besson isn't the right person. That's like him yeah. trying to give one to Cronenberg or David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. He, you can't. You can't hire an auteur for your to to like come up with your vision. And I and I, I admire the instinct. Clearly he wanted to work with directors whose work he admired on an artistic level. But no, right. you need a guy who knows like who's just who's like a, a you need a John Favreau. Yeah. You know, someone yeah. like that who is like, I know how to work with actors, I know how to work with visual effects, and I know how to convey a well paced story. It's it's yeah. you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You're just trying to effectively convey the, st- the these chapters of an ongoing saga yeah exactly i mean and, and that's i mean and that's i think and then after this i mean when this movie came out we we were all under the impression that this was it this was going to be the last star wars yeah ever he never talked about more. doing a third trilogy he was going to go make his like little indie art movies that he still hasn't gotten around to but he always talked about it. Went he went back to producing and doing like technical stuff, and there was the Clone Wars cartoon. Right. Well, that's what I was gonna gonna say because it seems like there was still at least some part of him that like there was that was gnawing in the back of his skull. Like, there's more of this era of Star Wars that I want told in some way. 
And that's that's where the Clone Wars came he from. He kept picking at these movies. He made changes yeah. for them for their like 3D releases that never came out. Like yeah. in 1999, Yoda was a puppet, but by the time it hit Blu-ray, he was CGI. He, oh, he was. Okay, so yeah. um, I watched Obi Wan this afternoon. Yes. Obi Wan Kenobi that just dropped on on Disney Plus this afternoon, and they showed the, they did the like beginning. a recap of the right. Prequels. And, I, and I saw the digital Yoda, and I was like, wait, did they redo that Yoda? I didn't know that they so, did. Okay. They redid Yoda as a CGI character in Phantom Menace for the 3D release, and that was right. the only one that got a 3D release. And then he's he's CGI in the Blu-rays and on Disney+. Plus, right. Everything okay. prior to that, he was a puppet, but, like, weirdly not as good a puppet as in Empire and Jedi. No, he looks really weird. He looks Empire. stiff. Like, he, he looks, looks like he's strange. had work. It's like they got the same actor, but <laughs> he got work done to look younger. Yeah, yeah. he's a puppet. It's it's weird. I, I, it's, um... No, and Lucas has said, like, I think he said in an interview, like, he he believes in the the notion that a film is never finished; it's only abandoned. Right. Which, I mean, I get on a certain level, but you gotta know when to stop. Because I my artistic belief, and I've said this before, is it's never gonna heal if you don't stop picking at it. Uh, I had a uh, a writing professor in in college. I, one of the Smith writing classes I took. He said, "Never make a script your Vietnam." <laughs> Yeah, thank you. It's it's. Yeah. I always have to. I always like whenever I work with other writers that are newer than me, or it's something I have to remind myself too. It's n- no one that's seeing this when it hits TV or when it hits the theaters has seen all the prior drafts. Right. Only yeah. you know how this sausage got made. <laughs> you gave them what is in their mind the finished product. Right. Exactly. And not every movie needs a director's cut. Nope. You know. Sometimes the theatrical cut is fine. <laughs> I've never watched any of the Star Wars movies and asked for 20 more minutes of this. <laughs> no, neither have I. And uh, and the thing is, with the original movies, there's very little cut stuff from them. Right. The most deleted scenes are in the first movie, and it's all the... It's Luke having his, like, American graffiti scenes on Tatooine, <laughs> and you don't need those. No, they're all... The, yeah. the crazy thing is, you do need those in the prequels, not as as more running time, but just in lieu of like scenes in the Senate or scenes with the Trade Federation or, or scenes pod with the, racing or pod matter. racing. Like you need Anakin to have it, the Jedi Academy should feel like Starfleet Academy. Yeah. It should feel like yeah. we're all yeah we're all force sensitive and we're gonna become these weird like monks. But it should feel like Hogwarts. It should feel yeah. like a place that's alive. And it, yes. there should, Anakin should have friends. Friends that he then turns around and murders in the third movie. Yeah. Like, the third movie should be emotionally devastating. Yeah. You should leave that movie feeling sad at the end with just a just a little bit of hope. Right. And then you can go watch the original trilogy because you know in the back of your mind, oh, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> He's going to defeat the Empire. He's yeah. going to defeat... Like, Darth Vader's going to turn to the light side. He's going to kill Palpatine. Or is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Because really, no, I... the Pal- the Skywalker saga is the Palpatine saga. Right. The right. Palpatines take everything from the Skywalkers, even their name in the end. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's discussion for next week. They act like Rey is going to carry on the Skywalker name right. in, in, La- in Rise of Skywalker, but there is one Skywalker left alive. Do you know who it is? No. Anakin's other son. 
C-3PO. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. C-3PO, C-3PO is the last Skywalker. That's true. That's true. He's also sort of kind of Palpatine's grandson. <laughs> It's a protocol droid to help mom. It's like if your son built you your own, built built a, like, Volkswagen Jetta himself <laughs> instead of just buying one. Yeah, it is so strange that that, like, that he chose, that was his choice. He was like, yes, Darth Vader needs to have built C-3PO. It makes no sense. No, because you <laughs> see other protocol droids that look just like him all, all through that movie. Yeah. He's, it's like a... It's like, I guess, it's like watching, he watched a YouTube tutorial on how to build your own Xbox. Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and I, I was thinking about it while watching Revenge of the Sith, too. I was like, what does it buy you? Does it buy you anything? Is there anything in these movies that, like, necessitated Anakin to build C-3PO? I guess it shows that he's, like, really technically proficient and he's smart, but it, he built his pod, he, we know he's a pilot. We know he's like smart and talented, and he, and and like no, it it buys you nothing except it's it just a, a weird connection. Like it, it's it's one of those. It it's about as relevant as like my dad. My mom's name is Martha, and your mom's name is Martha. Because <laughs> you know? it's like R two doesn't get built by anyone. R two just shows up. He's like yeah. he just happens to be the only. Uh, astromech droid that didn't get destroyed in that like escape sequence <laughs> so weird so many just like weird creative decisions that just like don't make any logical sense like no. and are just there to be there chewbacca's in this movie right chewbacca and the wookies are in this movie and they don't do like they do fuck all like <laughs> no they're just there because we were going to have them in Return of the Jedi, and we couldn't, and now we have the technology to do it. And here's their planet, full of, like, that's, like, a cool, like, bonsai tree planet. Yeah, I mean, like, I like this, like, again, like, there's so much stuff in this movie that's, like, just fun Star Wars-y stuff, but it doesn't, like, matter. No, <laughs> you know? no. Like, it's, that's like, the thing, it's, it's all, it's all just visual noise to cover up the lack of emotion or story there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie could be 90 minutes long. You could cut, like, 30 minutes from it, and I don't think you'd miss it. Yeah. Didn't Topher Grace cut all three of the movies down to one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's not good. If, you're, if your trilogy <laughs> of, like, if your seven hours of movie only have two hours of story in them, you're you missing something. Yeah, and, and I mean, and also a lot of the prequels showcases uh, Lucas's uh, commercial instincts, and a lot of things show up that are like clearly just there to sell toys, like or video games or whatever. It's like there is a very cynical commercial element to all there. The, the number of toys for these three movies is absurd. Again, it's not news that Star Wars <laughs> is very commercial, but it's it was insane. Like, every single one of the prequel movies probably has, like, seven or eight video games, and it has a bajillion toys and Lego sets, and it's crazy. The biggest contribution that these movies have to the Star Wars saga is just visual design stuff that other people have been able to take and make more interesting. The movies themselves, these are not, like, underappreciated gems, and they're not better than the sequels, 
the difference for me, at least, with the sequels is that I watch these movies and go, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. And with the sequels, I go, I'm not disappointed, but I am mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the... Uh... You know, as as I've said, and we'll we'll really dig into it. Uh, yeah, no, next week. But um, but I, I I like the Force Awakens. I think you know, there's a certain point in that movie where it just becomes you know a kind of annoying retread of of a New Hope. I really like the Last Jedi. I don't necessarily. I think those two movies work together. Uh, the all three of them don't work together. What I find annoying, particularly about Force Awakens and uh, Rise of Skywalker, is just the the amount of just lazy storytelling stuff that is just feels like modern blockbuster baggage. That like all modern blockbusters just have these inherently like lazy storytelling conceits. That I don't I don't know why it happens. I mean I think m- my gut tells me it really happens just because they have to meet a release date and yeah. that's it. They must but... they must keep putting out product. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, so... it's 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 you you have to keep your thing trending. Yeah. And I think another problem is, and we talked about this last week, is that the the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy take their visuals and story elements right. and designs from a lot of different places and like uh you know different movies and films and historical references and the sequel movies and all the disney shows are only referencing star wars right like i can't yeah. name you a new ship design in the sequel movies it's it's all just like some new lettered wing or yeah. some new tie fighter yeah i mean you know i i do i do like those little bombers in uh in last jedi but they do feel very much of a piece with sort of the original trilogy and i like those little speeders they have but again they it feels like something from the original trilogy um and and i can't i've only seen rise of skywalker once so we'll get to it next week but i can't remember a single ship design bombers don't make any sense will there's no gravity in space (laughs) i'm just saying they move really slow and they were very big targets it's star wars i know but no here actually all right i'm gonna give you a criticism of the last jedi you can't say that in the last jedi because the last jedi has the most like sci-fi techno things that drive the plot like we suddenly these ships have fuel and a shield range and light speed tracking that you need a hacker to no 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 you can't do shut up that's why when the movie won't shut up about it Okay, I guess that's yeah, fair. I'm just saying. I guess that's I'm fair. just saying, if you're gonna try to be smarter in the film, you aren't allowed to do dumb stuff. It's as simple as that. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I, I think the biggest problem with the Last Jedi, and I, I think, is the fact that it it and because of the way that the Force Awakens ends, you kind of have to do it this way. But the the Last Jedi opening seconds after Force Awakens ends, I think is a problem i think the last jedi would have been an amazing last movie in the trilogy well right. i think there needed yeah. to be another movie before the force awakens yeah yes uh, yeah like uh, like you, the force awakens needed like revenge of the sith at the beginning and then like a like the second movie is sort of like resetting the table and then the third movie doesn't necessarily end with the fall of the the uh, baby the 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 neo-nazi hitler youth uh incel empire 
the first <laughs> order it just ends with this trilogy has ended with like a new hope and then you right. can do another trilogy it's like it's the rise and fall of uh, space fascism over 60 years it's right i don't know yeah. look again we're gonna get into it next week we're gonna get into it i next just week. I, I mean and and yeah I mean, I did, there, are, there are like certain moments in this in Revenge of the Sith that I really do love. I love the symmetry and the intercutting between the birth of Darth Vader and the birth of the twin of Luke and Leia. I like that. There's some really good intercutting. Uh, like right before he goes to uh, right before Mace Windu dies, there's that scene where Anakin's in the temple and Padme's yes. in. It's just them sort yes. of almost like looking at each other across the city. It's, and there's another shot later on that kind of... That's one of those... The best stuff with Anakin is when he's, like, just silent. Yeah. And there's the shot after he's killed all the Separatist leaders. He's standing there looking at the lava. And he turns his head and they lit it in a way where you can tell that he's been crying. He's yeah. got, like, tears yeah, yeah. coming down his cheeks. And it's like... He's just, like, so fundamentally broken as yeah. a person. And, again, it's... It, uh, with all Star Wars, I see the good in there. Yeah. The yeah. the sequel movies, the prequel movies, I can see like all the pieces are there for to make something that complements and is worthy of the originals. They're just bogged down by one thing or another, the limitations yeah. of the filmmaker, the limitations of the studio. <laughs> it, it it it's, you know, it's it's a deeply Star Wars is a deeply emotional and frustrating experience. <laughs> the more you love it, yes. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, like, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to get too much into Obi Wan Kenobi, but I watched the first two episodes. Uh, I just I just felt bored. You know, going going through it, it just sort of felt like, well, I kind of know where this is all going. Do I care? And it just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I want out of Star Wars. Maybe you don't I, want anything. Maybe I don't want anything. You don't, we don't yeah. need, you don't need to have, yeah, like, that's the thing. I know what I want from Star Trek. I know what I would, you know, if, if I would do if they foolishly gave me a Star Trek series. <laughs> I don't know what I would do with Star Wars. Yeah. I kind of just, like, I like, I like living in the world of Star Wars. I like like hanging out in the sandbox but i don't know if i need like an endless stream of content about it like i it's it's yeah. i can just go back and watch the things i like yeah i mean i think that's i think that's where i'm at now i mean i i, I well i mean it's unfortunate because i like ewan mcgregor as obi-wan i just uh you know it just left me cold i don't know it's fine it's not for everyone no led zeppelin didn't make songs everyone liked they left that to the Bee Gees. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Max Rebo didn't make songs everybody life liked. He left that figurin' Dan and the model nodes. <laughs> and jizz. The music. What? Jizz? jizz? Isn't that what it's called? What? What is? <laughs> what the is, music. What, what music is called, is called jizz? It's called jizz. I'm telling you. I'm I'm looking it up yeah, on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, you Google jizz, Will, and get back to me. <laughs> Here, I'm I'm sending you this link. <laughs> Will is sending me a link about jizz. I just want that on the record. <laughs> jizz was first mentioned in canon in Star Wars Return Jesus of the Jedi. Jesus Christ! It's spelled jizz. See, this is like jizz whalers were musicians. <laughs> See, I, you know, 
Wikipedia has destroyed a generation, you know? <laughs> and this is, I should note, in Wiki- Wikipedia, canon, not legends. They This is a new nope. development. <laughs> That's the name of the music, man. I don't know what to tell you. Jabba the Hutt wants you to come down to the... He's, he commands your presence. He wants some good jizz tonight. Jabba the Hutt is a big jizz head, you know. Oh, they got a, they got, they got a great jizz gig at the uh, cantina at Moss Eisley. Oh, my God. That's the thing. Not everything needs a new name. It's no. like, do you have any idea how less compelling the line "You've killed"? I heard you killed some children. Is when it's you killed younglings. <laughs> oh my god! Ugh. It's such a journey to love Star Wars. It really is. It really is. Uh, or well, and I, I get. I mean, I think part of it is just when we came up. Uh, growing up with it because when you know i remember as a kid looking for star wars toys and not being able to find them yeah you know? uh, that's the big thing it's i think um i remember going to disney world and they had like the gift shop at at right. star tours is all star wars stuff and you were like holy shit it's like this is where they kept it all right yeah, yeah that's the thing is like i think that's people our age discovered it it wasn't something yeah. that was presented to them on a silver platter you know, yeah. and I know that sounds aggressively hipster of me, but you know that's our mindset about it. It's we were we were we felt like torchbearers, and <laughs> God damn, I'm so unhappy that I now know <laughs> the names of all of Chewbacca's immediate family, and that Jazz is called Jizz in the Star Wars <laughs> universe. There you go. Just you one go. more round, friends. <laughs> Then homeward bound friends. <laughs> what is it that you you tell this story when you were explaining the Star Wars holiday special to Elise? Yes, like, I, we watched it like we watched it with the riff tracks because you can't watch it without the riff tracks. You'll go mad. Um, and she's like, "Okay, so her, his son's name is Itchy." I'm like, "No, his his dad's name is Itchy, and his wife is what's his wife's name? Mala. His wife is Mala, and his son that's Lumpy." Uh, that's his son's name is Lumpy and Elise is very quiet for a moment and just goes I wish I didn't know any of this uh, and yeah. it's like that realization when you watch it with the like riff tracks you've got the riffing going on and then it, like anyone that's seen it for the first time realizes wait you take away the riffs they have just been making wookie noises at each other for 20 minutes god that thing is so oh my god Talk about misguided things in the Star Wars uh, universe. The, uh, the late 70s are just the peak of <laughs> bad made-for-TV variety shows. I don't, I, I guess, I don't understand it. I guess that's why it was so easy for Connell Cochran to get that Halloween time slot in 1982. Right. <laughs> it's just so many, so many variety shows. <laughs> Here's the uh, Brady Bunch variety hour. The Paul Lind Halloween special. <laughs> Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. <sighs> anyway, next week, we will be concluding the Palpatine trilogy with Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, the, the last uh, theatrical Star Wars movie yes. at this point. Star Wars, the last movie. <laughs> 
Star Wars, our, our, the theatrical receipts are not coming in like we hoped. <laughs> We're putting a pause on I, all of our I think our I think movies. I think this this these movies might be breaking us down slowly but surely, much like Anakin was turning yeah. us to the dark side. We are truly yeah. lost. <laughs> but uh until next time, uh Will, any final thoughts on Star Wars episode three, Revenge of the Sith? No, just, just uh, trying to trying to think of a fun quote to, to go out on, but all of it was like a lot of yelling and like uh, you underestimate my power and, you know. Anyway. <laughs> that's all I got. Don't try it, Anakin. I have the high ground. Ooh, I should, oh, only a Sith deals in absolutes. That's my that's my going out. Are you line. listening to yourself, Obi-Wan? <laughs> you sound like an asshole. Uh, well, folks, thank you for bearing with us through all of this nonsense. Uh, you can find us, as always, on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Part 3. That's the number three. Uh, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a comment or a, a review. Uh, we will be back next week with the season finale of Podcast Part 3 when we watch The Rise of Skywalker. And if you want to watch along with us, you can find it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> They should know where to find it. Yeah, yeah. you know, or it's no, very hard no, to find Star Wars these days. Nowhere to stay away from in some cases. Yes. <laughs> but will, as always, uh, a pleasure. It's always fun to talk Star Wars with you. Yes, Sam. It, it, is. Really it's, is. It's, it is. It is. It is a wonderful shared experience. That's my nice <laughs> measured statement about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. as always, folks, have a great week. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.